0: Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA. Welcome to for the This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Alex, today we are going to embark upon
1: a fantastic voyage. I, I love voyages. Yeah. I have got my bags all packed. You might have seen them in the hallway. All the, you know, it, they've got my monogram on all this. Yeah, the, that's a yeah. very elegant monogram. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, pretty much, I, I'm a, in the yeah, monogram it if you got it. That's my. <laughs> That's my I, I know probably yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin Used that too <laughs> Monogram it if you got it yeah.
0: Maybe he was stunning Steve Austin Maybe <laughs> He was stunning it Before he was Stone Cold Ah oh, To be Stone Cold <laughs> To be Stone Cold Honestly mm-hmm. That's goals Shout mm-hmm. out to Stone Cold Steve Austin By the way If you're listening I know you're not But it would be nice If he did
1: I mean I like his early stuff better But it's all classic
0: <laughs> It's all classic You know Oh my god I, I should probably start Being more of a hipster Ah <sighs> I think, a, you no, know, you're good. You're well, pretty,
1: ear' yeah, you if think you're, okay. if you're not a hipster, what am I? What am I? Where does <laughs> you're, that leave are a grown ass man is what you are. Oh
0: God, no, not uh, that. So today's voyage is into the world of brands. Um, today, I really want to kind of correspond. If you're listening to this and you read the newsletter earlier, um, this is a companion piece. But if this is the first time you're hearing it, then you should know that we are, actively about to bring you six brands that i personally have just been kind of following over the past couple of years that i think are really dope and you might know for some of them you might not but the biggest thing is to create awareness um so this is kind of a mini trend forecast slash brand awareness campaign for brands that honestly i don't have any sort of affiliation with but if they ever were like hey let's partner i'd be like uh-huh and if you if those companies are listening we want to partner with y'all
1: oh yeah all right cool business development It's, and, a, it's yeah this and is a business yeah.
0: business and culture here it's it's culture. Uh, yeah a bit of both yeah that's actually not about culture and business development okay that's right. a lane i like it all right like we're, it. we're smashing the streets um all all summer long it's nice. it's memorial day weekend madness um so we hope if you are listening to this you can download it Take it with us you know take it with your your family or your friends in the car on a plane bus on a boat on a boat if you have a boat shout out to you if you have a boat if you live in chicago feel Uh, free to invite me
1: onto your boat you know i want to go down to the river this (laughs) weekend and just stand on one of the bridges and just watch people roll by in those huge boats you know and And just be blasting our podcast.
0: <laughs> like John Cusack, just have it like, and oh, just like ghetto blasted, just like, oh, yeah. I have
1: thoughts about culture. <laughs> and it'll be Red Rain right into
0: <laughs> Office Hours. I love it. I love it. Red Rain. Wow. Isn't yeah. that
1: what John Cusack was playing
0: in? That was In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Oh, God. Red oh, Raid, red like, what is, is red rain it's,
1: it's another peter gabriel song that's uh, also really good
0: i only know shock the monkey is the other one. peter gabriel oh, song i also uh, didn't know he was in salisbury Ge- hill salisbury oh yeah, yeah yeah salisbury hill i feel like was in every movie in the 90s hold on i had a f- i have a feeling
1: and tell me if i'm wrong but i have a feeling you were about to say you didn't know he was in genesis is that correct? no? okay so
0: i recently oh, discovered he was in genesis because like let's be honest my mom so Phil Collins is basically, I think my mom's hall pass, which is a wild thing to consider. She just loves him. Um, a, a lot of get this, a lot of people love Phil Collins. <laughs> he just sold out the United Center like to like in October. I, I would go see him though. I mean, because like if he pop like Sue Studio <laughs> hit anyway. Um, so basically she played a lot of Genesis, but I didn't know Peter Gabriel because I only knew that it was. Uh, Phil Collins, I didn't know. I didn't know he was in Genesis and left Genesis. Oh yeah, he was the original. Yeah. The Lamb
1: Lies Down on Broadway was no his jam. Yeah. And uh, there's that one. Uh, Selling England by the Pound. Before that, yeah, no, really clue. good. And there's uh, some great tunes. There's one. That, uh, there's a lot of great tunes that Peter Gabriel did. <laughs> People with Genesis. are like, what in the hell? Are they here's the about? here's the cool. Here's the thing Peter Gabriel has had a background as a drummer. Yeah, became the lead singer and songwriter of Genesis. Right, Phil Collins. Happened to sound a
0: little bit like Peter Gabriel Who was a drummer, obviously And
1: it was, I think, a pretty smooth transition But a completely Were different Were they beefing, became... though? Like,
0: was, there, was there like Genesis beef?
1: I think it was like, you know, Peter Gabriel had his uh, Prague, Rocky, art, art Yeah, avant- he was out there He, 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 he was wild pre- in the 80s, pretty, bro yeah. I mean, he was pretty avant-garde And a Genesis, I mean, became Genesis right. Capital I, I, I
0: don't know exactly what went on but All right. I gotta if you're If you're it. in Genesis <laughs> Out of the, any Genesis-related subgroups like Mike and the Mechanics? If you're, are you? If are you're, you Mike Rutherford? If you're Mike you Rutherford and/or the Mechanics, <laughs> if you are Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel or the other guy <laughs> the from other Genesis. Guy. Ringo Starr, are you Ringo Starr? <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Genesis. Um, if Ringo Starr did a call, and that would be one of our top episodes. I would have nothing to say to him. What? I have. I'm not a Beatles guy, man. It doesn't it, matter. They didn't like. One of them would be like, "Hey, Ringo, uh, Beatles, huh? That was sick. I oh, think like it'd be like the Chris Farley sketch. I'd be like, you know, you were in the Beatles. That's cool. Like, what? What would I contribute? And you know, what? guess what? He would still do awesome with that interview. I guarantee. I hear he's, he's really, like he's really nice. He's no matter
1: what, just charming as hell. Yeah. Yeah. what I can tell. would be that. like, hey, I really like Eleanor Rigby. Way to go with that. Like, what Actually, was that? Yeah. Actually, the only Beatle to play on Eleanor Rigby was Paul McCartney. Sick. I did not the, know that. The whole rest of the song is a string
0: quartet. Word? Yeah. I had no idea. Dang. Y'all need to stop finessing until, you know what, good, good for Lennon and McCartney. Y'all get money. Y'all deserve it. Rest I mean, in peace, John Lennon. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about brands. Let's do it. My, <laughs> you know what, and,
1: and for the listeners out there, a, a word of, of caution, I know you're used to Uh, You know, Ernest and I generally do two to three weeks of prep um, on each episode. uh, We are doing a special holiday freestyle edition. This is
0: the Memorial Day weekend madness edition. I
1: I am excited because this Memorial Day isn't just about mattress sales anymore.
0: It's not. We're we're flooding the block with content. Exactly. So Uh, I'm
1: I'm as excited to hear this episode as... The listeners at home, including Mike Rutherford.
0: All right. So speaking of the music world, since that kind of is the best segue I'm going to get, I'd like to start off with a brand that is in the music space. It's actually a group. Um, They were founded in 1996. Their name is the Secretly Group. So Secretly Group, based out of um, Bloomington, Indiana. I've been there. Yeah. Go, um, was it Hoosiers? Go Hoosiers! The Indiana Hoosiers.
1: University is in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. You
0: ever go to Little Five out there?
1: I'm not sure where I went. I visited. Yeah, that means though. you went to Little Five. Was, <laughs> if you don't remember it, that
0: means that's where you it were. It was a long time ago. Um, but the why. The I'm spotlighting them and of this the brands to watch. Um, they, I feel like they care about creating and maintaining good culture. So, so tell me a little bit more about what they do. So they are as I so the group is actually uh, three labels. So it's three separate record labels: uh, Dead Oceans, Jag Jaguar, and Secretly Canadian. And then they also do, uh, I think, the distribution for the numero the Numero Group here in Chicago. Um, and they also are just like a publisher and they work on sync and like licensing for TVs and movies. Okay, cool. Um, but they've, you know, they've been nominated for a bunch of awards, the Grammys, the Brits, the Mercury prize, like all of the you're good at making music awards. Sure. They've been nominated for a ton. Um, they've made a lot of albums from acts that I am really just into. Um, like Jamila Woods here from Chicago, Whitney from Chicago. Um, they're the home of like, like the the like the monsters of indie, like Dinosaur Jr. and hmm. Bonnie Iver and Mitski, um, and they just have like so much good stuff, which great in and of itself, fantastic. You're making great albums, you're working with great artists, sweet. What differentiates them for me is, you know, they're not like I think a company that's been around since '96. Like you could have easily went pop, got a couple hits, and just lived off that catalog, but I think they seem to have a pretty aggressive strategy towards targeting talent that has cultural relevancy, right? So not like in the sense of, oh, they're gonna be doing a Pepsi commercial, but it's bands that facilitate you know, those best of ye- lists that media, media put together. And I think there's a lot of times where the hype of things overshadows the quality of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think they do a good job at balancing.
1: That's cool. No. no. Just catch me up here on yep. in 2019. What is what? What does a music label do? What is the oh what is God. the role? Like so I I, I kind of get how it worked. So this is this I, is a I'm good opportunity. To, I'm yeah. gesturing yeah. to 1970. I yeah. kind of get that. What? But now you know with
0: where your revenue streams mm-hmm. are going to be. What they're going to be three sixties. Um, which whereas uh, a label will take a percentage out of all of a uh, artist income. Okay. which kind of a predatory sonic practice but I think that's a lot of what you kind of give up when you want to be a part of the quote-unquote machine right so I think a label nowadays your job is to you know obviously work on promotion help with production costs um, you know maybe to be an advance or something like that and then you work to shape the sound of the album you you know angle yeah, it for yeah. the specific market it's kind of honestly like record labels are banks that give loans, but they also provide guidance and counseling. And they're they're taking equity on the product,
1: 100%, right? They yeah. own, I mean, they own the rights to the music. They, and so by owning the rights, that is the publishing yeah, rights or the, the, the copyrights? Copyright. Or so, the, right. And
0: okay. so the publishing thing is kind of a wild conversation because publishing is kind of a nuanced thing where, like, you can be signed to a publisher, but then, you know, one publisher and drop your albums on a different label. You know, then the publishing houses, mm-hmm. there's a couple of them, but- for the most part, you know, music rights organizations like an ASCAP or CSEC or I don't even know if CSEC is still a thing, BMI. Um, they exist to kind of maintain the rights of the songs and the music. Mm-hmm. So a publisher in-house is kind of a good opportunity because then you have one organization that's working on behalf of your record releases, your you know touring, your meet mm-hmm. merch you know what i mean and it has a kind of a similar and feel which is a great idea for a more cohesive campaign so are they in the audience development business they are not and i think that's a big misconception when it comes to people wanting to sign to a label i think a lot of people want to sign the label so that you know the things will blow up for them mm-hmm. but the reality is um you need to have kind of momentum going in because right. all it can do is be a platform to distribute your music to the widest possible audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that you are going to become famous. You're not going to become a mm-hmm. superstar. It just means that you have a higher percentage if you come in with an already established fan base, and already established sound. Like the more stuff you can have buttoned up before going into a label, the better.
1: Okay. and And so like artistically, what is... Like a label's role, like are they helping you to find as an artist to find
0: your niche? Are you are they niche? uh, Not so much. Um, I think again, you have to have all of that stuff already ready to roll Mm -hmm. before you even can be in the same mindset that you need to be in in order to be a successful major label artist. I would think. Sure.
1: Like and so the the team that the that the label brings to brings to so like say yeah. there's a, a group of musicians right. and then there's the label like right. who's on the label side they've got a producer engineers so the they work space. within like
0: they'll some some do some don't but i think a lot of them have access and resources right mm-hmm. so yes some of the major majors will have deals where they'll rent out a studio or a couple mm-hmm. of studios in a larger studio building mm-hmm. um in my former life i used to work as an AR assistant and so basically my job was legitimately and a and r used to be kind of more of like you're literally shaping the sound of the music you know back in the day when like there were band leaders and stuff like that nowadays i think it's a lot more of your talent scout but you're also accounts like in in an ad agency context or an agency context so you're doing a lot of paperwork stuff you're working with all the departments to make sure everything's rolling on time you're working with the artists themselves to make sure they get you everything they need and you're really just kind of directing traffic and you know trying to set up plays and work with other artists to work on collaborations like it's just a whole all-encompassing kind of job and I think that's a big facet of a major I think your A&Rs legitimately keep you relevant because they're the ones scouting talent they're the ones bringing talent into the offices they're the ones kind of giving the larger context as to why this is a thing that you know a company should invest several million dollars into
1: so does secretly group or do any of the individual labels there have a like a sound or uh, an approach? I mean, like, like, I, like I can speak, I yeah. can think of like in movies, like I can think of what is like w- what is the market niche that an A24 movie
0: is going to be? So that's a good example, versus? actually. Um, I think they represent kind of a uh, like cultural zeitgeist kind of we are at the precipice between hot young indie band and superstar indie superstar in which i think they have enough acts that are poised to become bigger names and they obviously have musical credit because they've been nominated for a ton of awards Mm -hmm. um but i think for me they have been kind of a gateway the the respective labels have been kind of a gateway into indie rock um left to center Mm hip-hop um things that if you are, you know, culturally fossilized, you may not be as receptive to at first, but the music is just sick. It's just sick. Like, and having worked in, you know, events with some of the artists that have performed that are assigned to some of these labels, you know, I'm a big fan of the Numero group. Like, the, the aesthetic is sick the consistency is impressive and i'm just all around just kind of into what they got going on so like i check for what they're dropping next you know what i mean
1: awesome so that is secretly grouped? the secretly group so the secretly yeah. group. so okay. a bunch
0: of labels dead oceans jack jaguar secretly canadian um but yeah nice what do you what,
1: what do you got next for
0: us so just as a, a follow-up if you're looking for more labels to keep an eye on i'm really into innovative leisure out in los angeles They're kind of in the same wave of like being ahead of stuff. They have an artist named Claude Fontaine, who I'm really into right now. But there's other... um, Speaking of a major, it's an imprint of a major label. um, It's called Keep Cool, which you would think is a pretty fantastic name for a record company and you'd be right these all sound like clothing brands right they could well, be that's the right? thing about i like brands that sound like they could be multiple things innovative leisure
1: sounds like did you know you can put your feet in the kiddie pool while you drink <laughs> while you drink a beer yeah oh man that sounds great innovative leisure is like a magazine where you would buy like a wine opener that it's like magnetized i have one i have a i have one of the i have a beer. Can opener that's magnetized. I love the it. It's, I love it. Get this though; it's shaped like a bok choy. That's. It's. I didn't um, expect you to say that. N- nobody expects that. <laughs> no. the, the, the crazy thing to me is that this thing has survived. I've had it for longer than I can remember. That's and I, you know, you buy it for a dollar.
0: There it is. Um. So I'm really excited because our next brand is actually. A very, very old brand and just turned 70 years old, um, but it is new again. Hmm. So the brand is the National Wrestling Alliance. Wow. So that's NWA. We're not talking about Ice Cube. We're not talking about Dr. Dre. I got to say, all the wrestling things have
1: naming problems. Like, look at WWF. Hey, uh, the, look. The World Wildlife Federation. To be fair,
0: they were there first. <sighs> But again, it's mainstream versus, you you can't be out here talking smack against the pandas. I get it. No. Comma, however. um, But the National Wrestling Alliance was founded in 1948. Wow. Uh, It originally was basically, back in the day, wrestling promotions used to be kind of, you know, you're in a town, you're in a region, you might get big enough to tour around your region, and so on and forth. But there wasn't ever really a national body. So think about basically, the, the NWA is like the NCAA. Where you have a button, mm-hmm. well, except for the well, maybe, but uh, <laughs> you have a bunch of promotions or teams who are all on, united under one front, and so back in the day, the promoters in St. Louis in Chicago in New York, so Vince McMahon's dad mm-hmm. um, all were members of the National Wrestling Alliance because legitimately they shared promotion, like they share talent they work on, with to not like compete against each other. So like if you're in Texas or you're in Southeast Texas or Southwest Texas, I'm not coming to your area because I know that you're, we're all eating at the same pot, but they also shared champion. Okay. And so the NWA world champion was for a long time, like on the level of celebrity athlete back in the day, like that, a uh, like an NBA player would be now like genuinely, like people were that hyped up about it. And like well, this is back when like boxing was as just as big. So, I think NWA champions you may have heard of um, Dusty Rhodes uh, Terry Funk I mean, Dusty Rhodes ended up in the WWF he did right? yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was originally made his name in NWA Okay. Um, Ric Flair that's <laughs> where Ric Flair came from um, Sting a lot so basically for context if you grew up in the 90s or you know watched wrestling in the 90s WWF WCW and ECW were all at one point member promotions of the National Wrestling Alliance yeah huh. So literally the three biggest wrestling companies in history by gross are, were all at one point members of this organization.
1: So my question is, why are we talking about it now? What's going on with well, the NWA? it's back.
0: It's back from the dead. So basically in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, the biggest promotion in the NWA was Jim Crockett Promotions in the, in the Carolinas they became WCW. So Ted Turner, it's this whole convoluted history, but basically they split off and did their own thing. This is World Championship Wrestling. This is World Championship Wrestling, Goldberg, all of that. Um. So then in 1994, ECW, which is Eastern Championship Wrestling back in the day, had a tournament for the NWA title, which is like a big deal, and they threw the title down and said – this represents an era that is no longer here. We're taking things into the next generation and basically like buried it. Hmm. It killed the brand's prestige probably until I'd say 2006, like just just absolutely ruined the brand. They started this company um, called NWA Total Nonstop Action, which became this company called Impact Wrestling, which is still out today, but the NWA itself has been languishing hmm. since the '90s and none other than this is the part you're going to enjoy billy corgan i was just going to yeah. ask when does billy
1: corgan so get so billy into corgan this scene? in
0: 2017 yeah. bought the rights to the national wrestling alliance the titles the <laughs> legacy all that great stuff and has since and and a lot of people like to crack jokes on billy corgan but he legitimately has revitalized this brand. Now,
1: has he actually been in the ring? He has done
0: wrestling fights, he, right? Well, he's, i don't think he's ever been in a match. I've seen—he—he did like an ECW pay-per-view in like 2000 in Chicago where he had to do with like a guitar. But that's not like a—I think he—he's—he shows up at stuff. He's on air. Um, he's on camera, but he's not in the ring. He's not wrestling. Okay. All right. But basically, it's like so he's, cool. He's because, the mean gene of. Uh, I would give him more of like a authority figure kind of head, Honcho. Okay, I make the matches. You're gonna fight. Ah, okay, that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's kind of just like what's old is new again. Nice, because this company basically what they did and why I'm so fascinated is that they decided to just really restore the prestige of the company. So they've been really really good about you know invoking nostalgia. They brought back the classic ring. They brought back the classic setup and the Vintage graphics. And, like, you got to understand, like, wrestling at a point in time was as big as I would say, like, a UFC, way bigger than UFC, right. so, like so that kind so of thing. Mixed martial arts is the. It's the, all the, combat sports, yeah, would be right, the overarching <laughs> <laughs> umbrella. So, if you're talking about this in a casual context or in a industry context, I call it combat sports, which is MMA, boxing, any sort of, you know, uh, martial art. Um, and then professional wrestling okay and so because a lot of them share disciplines and training and all that great stuff but the thing that's interesting about them is they're restoring the feeling by you know invoking that nostalgia but then also using talent and promotions that are popping right now on the indie scene but they're working together with these companies back in kind of in the spirit of the original nwa to create unique cards um legendary wrestlers are wrestling against the stars of today And the whole thing is promising because WWE is about to blow up again. Hmm. They are currently slated for a deal with Fox. It's already been signed. It's already happening. Hmm. They start their programming on Fox, a capital F Fox this fall. And so WWE will be on the biggest mainstream platform it's been since the early 2000s, late 90s. Wrestling's back. It's back. And so what I'm saying is, you can watch it now because they have a fantastic YouTube series called 10 Pounds of Gold. And it's literally just like every week of installments, it's like a TV show. Mm-hmm. But the TV show is about the promotion, about the trials and tribulations of literally creating a promotion, about the stuff you run into when you're dealing with worldwide talent, but also just like really great promos from the, the wrestlers. And so if you, I look at it this way. If you're looking for a new show to watch, check out the show. Nice. Right. And, and are you able to go see NWA events live? Yeah, they just did one in North Carolina, actually, like, in April. So they do them a couple times a year. But it's usually tied around larger wrestling moments in the calendar because mm-hmm. basically there's, like, three or four moments a year where, like, the entire wrestling business all congregates and wherever. And usually it's tied to whatever WWE pay-per-view is happening. So, like, mm-hmm. WrestleMania weekend, Um, I think it was in... It was in Florida or Tampa next year. Like so all the wrestling companies, including probably NWA, will have some sort of presentation or some sort of match or some sort of co sponsored card that weekend. Okay.
1: Yeah. And and so like on
0: a regular basis, are you able to go see NWA the show? Like no, nah, a- you just watch the yeah, show and then they have it. occasional events, which I think is actually better because mm-hmm. if they were on TV every week, you'd probably get burnt out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So keeping in the world of professional wrestling, this one is a bit more, I think, in your lane. So we're talking about Suplex Apparel, spelled S-P-L-X. They're founded in 2013, and the why is because I think everybody wants to be part of a winning team. Sure. I mean, I can vouch for that, for sure. Now, how much experience do you have in the pro wrestling apparel space?
1: I mean, let me think. None. None. <laughs> Zero. Right? Was, uh, Wait, you are you talking about assume. when you say pro wrestling apparel? You're talking about like the shirts that
0: you rip off. Well, not always. When you, You're when you to hulk out, yeah, yeah. I mean, theoretically, yes. But you would hope that you wouldn't uh, rip off all your shirts.
1: I, I have hulked out <laughs> once or twice uh, in my life, but. You know, I don't make it a regular thing. I respect Obviously, that. You're, you're know, growing. It's, you're growing and learning. Buttons are hard to sew back on. You know, um, and you know, I, it's I, who wants to just keep going right. up to the store and buying a ten pack of shirts because they Hulk out
0: so. Much. Listen, you're preaching <laughs> to the choir as a as a former shirt ripper myself. Um, Suplex to me, or SPLX—I don't honestly know how to pronounce—but it's one of the first lifestyle brands I've ever seen around combat sports. A lot of okay what about tap out tap see this is a point so tap out they took inspiration from a company like tap out um because the, the you know the, whole, the, the gist behind like mma teams you know that you know the whole thing they're doing no so do. a lot of mixed martial artists will train together right yeah. and they'll train out of the same dojo or the same gym and they don't ever fight each other when they're fighting you know in ufc because they're like homies but Basically, um, this ref, uh, he's a res, he's a referee for uh, a couple of British companies, but his name's Joel Allen, and he basically created um, a wrestling brand that sponsors wrestlers to wear their clothes and promote their brands. And so sure. it's kind of like the idea of a team concept, but team suplex. Um, and so they where they lucked out was they've aligned themselves with some of the best wrestling talent on the earth, like earth. Their talent, I would say, the suplex is kind of like the Nike of wrestling, where it's like, you have such great wrestlers and these guys are wwe guys yeah exactly like look, i'm looking at their instagram yeah they,
1: they have some yeah. mean, mean
0: looking talent right and so all of them are all people who actively wear you know the logos and their ring gear they wear the gear when they're doing fashion shoots but it's like teams like so like you'd see serena wearing nike in this context you'd have like gail kim who's a fantastic wrestler um, she'd be wearing some suplex stuff, Zach Saber, Zach Saber Jr., one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, I he's, I think he's, if he's not like a figurehead, he's definitely like one of the main guys kind of repping the brand. It's all in their gear, it's all just really cool stuff. And the thing that I like about it, and what makes it different than a lot of the other brands in the space, they have decided to kind of own the workout, okay, right? Because pro wrestlers, like. Pro wrestlers are a class in their own when it comes to like fitness and workouts and staying in shape and having like ignorantly cartoony abs. So I think it's kind of smart to say, hey, there are people who, you know, aren't trying to become wrestlers but want to look like one. Like even if you don't, yeah.
1: Your abs, that's. That's your tummy, right? Yeah, that's, a, okay. that's the that's the those times on like your gut. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: And then, like, even Alan himself, like, I, I'm reading a quote here. He was like, "We want to create a lifestyle for people that aren't that isn't just selling T-shirts. We're interested in fitness and nutrition too." And so, what they did, and I think they've ha- even had some case studies where like a guy who's just like a Joe Schmo who goes watches wrestling, started working out, wearing Suplex, and he lost like 70 pounds, hmm. and he got like the logo tattooed on him, like it's a feel good story. But I think. When it comes to those kind of workouts and i say this with absolute hyperbole not intended they used to post some of the workouts the wrestlers did on the website and for me i was like you know what this is probably the best calisthenics body weight exercise i can do because these people legitimately have to like lift people over their heads every day
1: hold on so did
0: you is this how you got in the shape you're in yes wow i the workout mostly is just like eating better uh, <laughs> but yeah. like i will say that you know like i wear my suplex shirt when i'm in the gym that's for sure um but i think the, the workout that i adopted but honestly can't really do because i almost threw up the first time i did it so zach saber jr the African mentioned, they used to post wrestler workouts on the suplex site and i want them to bring them back so honestly suplex if you're listening let's get those workouts back up because i know a lot of people who would love to try them um but it's called the zach saber jr dojo style workout and we'll include it in the notes um, for the podcast. You can try it at home. Yeah. I would definitely recommend, um, if you are out of shape, to not do it. Um, I was not in shape. I cried. Oh, no. Um, mm-hmm. But like a good cry. You it's, know what I mean?
1: Sometimes at the gym, it's hard to find tissues. It's, Listen, yeah.
0: And your towel's all sweaty, so you just can't ah. win. But anyway, the, the workout is nuts. It's fun. Um, but I think there's a lane to be said about people focusing on the workout and people focusing Mm -hmm. on the training and the team aspect of it because i think that's something that a lot of other sports kind of live and die by like you know you look at soccer you look at you know basketball or football it's like we're a team we're a team we're a team Mm -hmm. and like wrestling it's you versus another person but in this context you have a larger organization that has your back and the stuff looks cool too i think that's the other thing a lot of wrestling gear is kind of Directly targeting a specific demographic of which I am not a part of.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, just from looking at their stuff, there's sort of a body positive thing about it. They're not just
0: one body type. It's It's, it's men. It's women. It's really big dudes. It's you know really skinny people. It's it's a situation where there's a lot of you know gender diversity. There's a lot of ethnic diversity, but I think that kind of aesthetic is something that a casual fan who may not necessarily be as up on independent wrestling could get into, yeah, like they could definitely, you know, you think of like I said, I said in the newsletter, I'm like they could be the combat sports answer to the Lululemon, sure, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, there's got to be a niche for that out there. Well,
0: think about it this way: like how many, you know rec league basketball warriors out there wear head to toe nike when you see them practicing i think there are a lot of the same folks who are into wrestling or into crossfit or into those kind of you know that world who would wear this stuff and there are a lot of and you're seeing this now a
1: lot there's a there's more fun ways to manage your fitness regimen than just to go to the gym by yourself Right. right and there's more effective ways you know there's People have seen and I've seen studies that show that people get in better shape and are more successful with their, for example, their diet goals or their workout goals. If they have if they're training with other people. Oh, for right? sure. And Team. So, I mean,
0: it's it's high mentality. Like yeah. if I know every one of my friends is doing something, I, I'm going to probably try harder than I would if I was by myself. Right. Exactly.
1: You're, you're saying I need to do this. To for the team, and, right. and that that's important. It's an important motivator. Um, and it seems like you know now there are a lot of ways that people are getting in shape that used to be it used to be a sport. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to go in box, for yeah. example, or you might go and I don't know, jazzercise or something. Exercise, yeah. rock climbing, yeah, all that
0: stuff. So, all the same, it's cool. Suplex, I nice. love them. Um, so a couple more. Sure. Um, so the next one is overtime. Overtime, overtime founded time. in 2016. You're asking why? It's the ESPN for Gen Z. Gen what? Gen Z. As in everyone thinks the millennials are young, the millennials are entering their thirties, their mid thirties. Gen Z is the generation directly after us. And Gen Alpha is directly the generation after them. So basically what they are they they basically just came and filled a really wild niche that I didn't realize was open, which watch sports highlights from the top high school athletes in the nation. Cool. You say to yourself, That's fine. Mm -hmm. They're doing it better than everybody else. They've configured like, a segmented network of, like, channels, right? So your channels, they do football, basketball, soccer. Um, you have country-specific channels. Um, they just have one that just posts, like, sick designs and, like, edits of really cool, like, athlete photos and stuff. Um, but they really have really staked themselves on being able to get and develop really great relationships with some of the youngest talent in basketball, football, soccer, and giving them a platform basically to like present their personalities. And so they've had a lot of success because they've worked with a lot of athletes that have gone on to become, you know, NBA players. Like right now, I'm, if you look, if you read the uh, newsletter, there's a, a link from an overtime video in 2017 with Zion Williamson, who is going to be the, fir- the number one overall pick in the NBA draft this year, went to Duke, like it's, but it's him in high school. And so, They have these conversations, and they get in front of these athletes at a time where their youngest demographic, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, are all starting to look at those kind of things, right? Like, if I'm a young basketball player, I'm on overtime because I want to see what my competition and the guys that maybe if I'm playing AAU ball, what they're doing.
1: Mm -hmm. And so – overtime time, I'm just looking around here it looks like they have a store they have an apparel brand yeah. they have their
0: a media brand as well yeah they are a media brand i would say to most importantly the merch stuff comes second but like the other thing about the media brand is they've like a lot of really successful ones branded their own personalities mm-hmm. and so those personalities um serve as like kind of narrators to the event or guides to the event like oh can you believe we're going to LaMelo Ball's house today that's crazy and then basically like they just watch LaMelo Ball like cross people over all day but if you're a kid who's into that or wants to be that kid, that's really cool content.
1: And for you guys at home, the crossover is a basketball move. Yes, yeah. it's a basketball that's, move. You sort of, you sort of, you cross the ball over. That's over your center line. The, sure, but you go. The ball goes down. Ball not goes down. Up. So yeah, it's crossing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool.
0: It's it's a cool thing. It's cool I, would, I would Google Alan Iverson if you're looking uh, for crossovers. Yes,
1: Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> that guy, he was good. Have
0: you ever heard the phrase uh, MPS disease? Uh, Minneapolis Public Schools? Shout out to them. Um, but no, it's lingo that a buddy of mine came up with that I'm adopting. But MPS stands for male, pale, and stale. <laughs> And okay. it is the single greatest disease affecting American business. Um, it is in almost 100% of companies. It is a scourge. And companies like Overtime are trying to combat it mm. by being young, fresh, and diverse. And not pale. And not pale. Yeah. There's, there's pale people working there. but there's, there's Shout out own. to the Pales. But um, <laughs> I think you, I could see a legacy brand. I get to see like a Red Bull or somebody like that straight up, just buying over time, and they've made a lot of money. They have, well, they've had they've raised a lot of money in seeding, I should say. You know, they they've had investments from Kevin Durant, um, former NBA Commissioner David Stern is an investor. Um, They've you know Anderson Partners, a lot of really great bands like that. So, uh, my last one for today is a company called rise southern biscuits and righteous chicken ah oh, that sounds so good founded right. in 2012 they're based in the carolinas um mm-hmm. it's delicious and it's scalable but basically it's a chain of franchises focusing around breakfast
1: nice. so
0: chicken biscuits bre- bacon egg and cheese the sausage egg and cheeses donuts all those great things that we say, all love
1: like from a restaurant's point of view there's a lot of good things about breakfast a you're selling you're Buying cheap ingredients and selling them at a great markup—that's amazing to me. That people will pay an extra five bucks for eggs uh, for brunch or yeah. breakfast. Then you know, yeah. Uh, and B, if you're just a breakfast brunch place, your yeah. hours are just terrific. They are. You're yes. done at like two
0: or three o'clock. I mean, except for the bakers. The bakers. Are, those, those, <laughs> those guys got to get in early. In Shout out to the bakers. We love you love for your the pastries. Bakers. Love um, the bakers. But honestly, if I had the money, I'd open a franchise tomorrow really? in Chicago. So hold on. Have you looked into this? Yeah. So I've, so. Six. They're in sixteen locations across five states, nothing north of Maryland, mm-hmm. but mostly Carolinas. There's one in Nashville, but it's south, it's southeast for sure. And I was I was in Durham where they're based. They're originally based, and the food is nuts. It's insane. It's delicious. But so what? What did you order? I ordered the bacon egg and cheese and a sausage egg and cheese and a chicken biscuit because wow. I went to sample. You know. <laughs> I didn't eat it all by myself, is, but I sampled. Guys, <laughs> journalism, get into
1: journalism. Listen, you I'm get telling to you. you order everything.
0: I tell you. <laughs> so, basically, just kind of wrapping this up. This is an opportunity for somebody who's looking to franchise. I mean, franchising also in and of itself is a little more expensive than I think people think. It's like $350,000 probably to open a franchise. Like open a any, yeah,
1: you got to have a lot of money in the bank to open any yeah.
0: restaurant. So, but I do think that there are some people who have that money just kind of laying around. Shout out to you if you're that person. Um, and this would be an investment that I think would pay off because they've really invested in the quality food and winning the mm-hmm. food. And I think if the food wins and it's delicious and p- if the price point is right, people will mess with it. Is this the kind of place that you could see
1: opening up in a Chicago or a, yeah, 100%. A- I,
0: I think we'll probably get
1: one in the next
0: three years. In a two, Chicago, two in one years. of our many Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I think two or three years really? we'll get one for sure. Cool. Um, because they're expanding. And cool. I think they, ha- they said like the company came out and said straight up, like we have, you know these locations but we also have a hundred you know contracts cool so mm-hmm. they're going to massively expand so this is kind of a heads up in advance i mean and you see southern
1: breakfast menu trends yeah, too right i mean yeah. you started seeing southern biscuits you started nashville chicken you s- yeah. nashville chicken chicken and waffles yep. is the southern thing uh all that else. so and so i think I that's love, one of those
0: love some biscuits Ugh. um so i think that's really funny just because <laughs> delicious is scalable delicious
1: uh, is scalable and right. i mean it kind of ties into some of the other themes that we will be talking
0: about later yeah. on in the office we hours have like an editorial Congress. calendar now because we have some great content on deck for this podcast but in the meantime folks this is your very special memorial day weekend and madness edition of office hours podcast my name is ernest wilkins and i'm alex Menokel and you know what we will see you next time have a great weekend be safe Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.